morning. Or is it good afternoon? Still morning, isn't it? Uh, well, my name is Roshan Herat. Uh, for those who uh, haven't met me before, it's really good to see you. See, it's good to see a good crowd this morning. Um, so today is a special day because there is something happening on the outside and it's quite important that England win today <laughs> because then I, as a Sri Lankan fan, can tell uh, that we beat the champions in the round robins. So I'm rooting for England and I think there is a wicket down uh, for 29 New Zealand. So England's well on their way. Anyway, so uh, there was a question at the beginning, uh, what did you give up and so on. So I think it's quite apt for me to share what, what I gave up uh, many years ago. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to play for uh, some Sunday league teams um, in my university time. And I had to give that up because I was involved in church. So there you go. Uh, I love cricket. Uh, cricket is the best sport to play in the, in the British or English summer. It's one that is relaxing. Uh, playing uh, cricket in Sri Lanka is so horrible. It's, the sun is so hot and you don't want to be outside. But here, you just want to be outside and it's just beautiful. But hey ho, I uh, gave it up. So, um, yeah, that's brownie points for me. Uh, this morning, I think Johnny started a trend, trend of dropping you in it. So I'm going to ask Christian to come and uh, read the passage so that I don't have to do it. All believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph... A Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, had sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but bought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? and you have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. A great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she replied, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these things. Thank you, Christian, my son in whom I'm well pleased. So 
So today's passage seemed to contain the summary of what life was like during the time of the earliest church that started in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. It also seemed to contain the most serious lowlights uh, of what went on. So at the end of chapter, uh, chapter 4, we read about the church displaying a great sense of loyalty to one another and a sense of being one family. See, in a nuclear family, the breadwinner or the breadwinners uh, don't own what they earn. They have an obligation to share, the use, uh, the use, uh, share and use those resources uh, to provide for the family. When the church started, uh, resources were not owned by one person, uh, but were shared among the family of believers. The earliest believers were led by the Holy Spirit to live in this way, a close-knit community who uh, held nothing back in terms of their loyalty and in terms of uh, their generosity towards the believers and their loyalty towards the fellowship of believers. Those who stepped out of line experienced a severe consequences, as in the case of Ananias and Sapphira we read in chapter 5. So this pattern looks uh, like an impossible standard for us to emulate in our present society, and even in the church, an impractical standard to uphold so how do we respond? When we uh, respond to God's word, uh, there are two basic ways in which we do that. Direct application of the word and indirect application. Now I'm sure those who have had theological training like Johnny might have nice terms for this, but uh, this is the best I can come with. So for want of better word, let's say it's direct and indirect application. Now both, ap both types of application are equally valid and equally important. So I will give you a couple of examples just to illustrate this direct and indirect application of the word. When we obey a direct instruction such as love your enemies uh, and pray for those who persecute you, we can apply that word directly to our lives. We can pray for those who persecute us. We can love, show love and kindness to our enemies. So we apply the word directly to our lives. However, there are times we have to discern the godly principles God is showing us through a parable or even a true story recorded in the scripture, a true event. We then apply those godly principles to our lives. Now take for example the story of Mary and Martha, the two sisters of Lazarus uh, whom uh, Jesus uh, visited from time to time in their home. And Martha was uh, burdened with many things, uh, trying to prepare a meal uh, for Jesus while Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he had to say. And we probably know the story. Uh, so being a practical person myself, I can uh, empathize with Martha, uh, but uh, Mary chose the better option. So in this story, as an example, the indirect application of God's word is that when faced with two good options, go for the better one. 
So that is an example of indirect application of God's word. Therefore, in trying to understand the application of today's passage, let us first examine why the church was led by the Holy Spirit to operate in this way. The question is, why did God want the early church to show extreme loyalty and extreme generosity? Then let us see what principles we could draw from this early pattern uh, our brothers and sisters followed in the early church and how we could appropriate them to our lives today. So are there any uh, builders here with us, any bricklayers? No? Well, I, have, I, have, I haven't laid bricks myself, apart from uh, building a, a barbecue in, in the garden. Um, but I have, I have watched them lay bricks. See, a leaning wall is no good. Uh, it can't carry the load that uh, it is designed to carry. Uh, sometimes a leaning wall might not even carry its own weight. It'll fall over. So if you want to build a strong and durable wall, you have to build it perfectly level, hence the spirit level. This is a visual aid. Okay, Kent Anderson got me into this, bringing visual aids. Um, and it has to be perfectly vertical, level and vertical. So that to achieve this, the bricklayer has to get his first row of bricks, the very first row of bricks, perfectly level. And he spends a lot of time and effort laying that first row of bricks. And then he has to lay the second row of bricks on top of the first row, which is now perfectly level. And when he lays that second row of bricks, he has to make it perfectly vertical. Okay? So he uses, in the old days, they used to use a plumb line, what you call a plumb line. Uh, but you can do both with, with these modern gadgets now. So he puts a lot of effort to getting the first row of bricks level and the second row of bricks vertical. And it will also be level because it is built on a level row. If there is an error, even if it's a minor error, that error could get amplified or propagated while the wall goes up. So if the error is slight, it will go more and more wonky as it, as it progresses. Now it doesn't, so once you've laid the two rows of bricks perfect, then you can build on that. Now it doesn't mean that we uh, can uh, neglect the level of the rows or the, the how straight, upright they are as the wall progresses. We still have to build it. The builder still has to build it level and vertical all the way up. So what are the spiritual lessons in this passage? Chapter 4, verse 32 says, All the believers were uh, one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. So this verse sums up the two godly principles for us to apply to our lives today. The first one is an extreme level of loyalty to the cause. Extreme level of loyalty to the cause. And the second one is the extreme level of generosity towards that cause. So the early church in Jerusalem uh, was the first couple of rows of bricks. 
God made sure he led them perfectly level and perfectly upright, perfectly loyal and perfectly generous. So Ananias and Sapphira lied to the apostles who were human. However, God took it personally as a lie against himself. Peter said to them uh, that they lied to the Holy Spirit. So God could not tolerate the slightest lack in loyalty or generosity into, to infect the first two rows of bricks. And the consequences were quite terrible. And as a result, um, in verse 11, it says, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So the early church knew God had called them to be part of something new and something great that he was doing. It wasn't going to be easy. They realized they had to dedicate themselves totally, holding nothing back if God's plan were to succeed. And over the years, I'm sure St. Mary and St. George Church, this church has been blessed with loyal people. When things were not going so well, they stuck with it, dedicated themselves to one another and persisted in faith. Some of you, most of us here, left uh, uh, security of a larger congregation, leaving behind friends uh, to commit ourselves to be part of what God is doing in this parish. All churches have a group of people who are dedicated to the cause. The challenge this dramatic passage in uh, the book of Acts seems to be offering is for those of us who are simply churchgoers within inverted commas. As the word suggests, I go to church. Somehow I'm truly not part of uh, the church in terms of loyalty and generosity. In other words, the church could carry on just as well or just as badly as the case may be uh, if I'm there or not. Somewhere in my moral conscience, I have this set of tick boxes. One of those tick boxes is a religious obligation for the week slash month slash year fulfilled tick box. And I go to church to tick that box. For the same reason, I may donate some money to the church. I do the ritual of going to church and giving some money to feel good about myself. Imagine the early church in Jerusalem had the same attitude. We won't be here today. We would be as lost as anyone uh, out there with no God, no salvation, and no hope. So loyalty and generosity go hand in hand. I cannot be loyal without being generous, and I cannot be generous without being loyal. They feed of each other. Your loyalty motivates me uh, and compels me to give of my time, my skills, and other non-material resources that I might have towards what I am loyal. It also leads me to give material resources generously towards the cause. 
So how do you apply the principles highlighted in this challenge, uh, this challenging passage to your life? You have to find the answer to that question yourself. Because I'm not able to, nor qualified to answer it uh, for you from the pulpit. This passage does cause contemplation, introspection, and, and self-examination. I have to answer about my loyalty and my generosity. I have to do it myself. So as we conclude, looking at this uh, tough passage, I'm throwing out some tough questions for us to take, us, take with us and think about. Here's the first one. Am I ticking a box? Or am I bringing to God what he expects of me? Am I prepared for God to lay the brick of my life perfectly level? Am I allowing God to lay the brick of my life perfectly vertical and upright? Am I holding nothing back in terms of loyalty uh, to the people of God and generosity towards the gospel? Is God expecting more of me in terms of commitment to his cause? So these are the questions we have to contemplate um, in our own minds and to deal with. Jesus is building his church and we are rows of bricks he is laying on other bricks that have gone on before he has laid before us. The church of tomorrow is the legacy we leave behind. The future rows of bricks are laid on us. For those rows of bricks to be perfectly level and perfectly, perfectly upright or vertical, we have to commit to be radically loyal and extremely generous with our material resources as well as our non-material resources, as like, such as time and commitment. So as we go from here, let us take away these two words in our hearts. These two words, loyalty and generosity. May God give us the grace to hold nothing back as we offer our loyalty and generosity to the body of Christ for whom God held nothing back let's pray father thank you for this challenging word we invite the holy spirit to search our hearts lord we don't want your word to be a word of condemnation to us for there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and you did not send your son jesus to condemn the world but we might be saved through him so lord this hard passage may be a word of encouragement to us, a word of um, creating love and generosity and commitment and dedication to what you are doing in this parish. Lord, if there are ways that we can uh, improve and we can prioritize differently to how we are doing now, show those areas to us and by the Spirit of, uh, Spirit of God enable us to step into those callings that you have for us, regardless of whether we are new Christians or not, whether we are young or old, or any other difference that we might have with others. You can use us 
and you expect us to be perfectly loyal, level, and perfectly generous, upright in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. You've invited us to be the living, uh, living stones in the house that you're building. And we hope to do nothing less for the glory of your name. Amen.